Hey, are you wanting to learn more about your Enneagram type or maybe even discover your Enneagram type? Are you looking for how to take the Enneagram test? Well, check out Crosspoint Ministries' newly designed Enneagram testing experience. Crosspoint has been using the Enneagram with Christian pastors and leaders for more than 15 years, and they've made taking the WEPS test a simple and optimized experience. You'll get your test results immediately, no emails needed. Your results are displayed in a clean, easy-to-read, and downloadable format. Plus, you can create your own account where you can keep your test results, download your profile, and track your personal growth all in one place. To take the test, go to crosspointministry.com slash Enneacast, and you'll get 20% off your first test. Just use the code Enneacast at checkout. Again, go to crosspointministry.com slash Enneacast and start your journey today. And I've had people in those situations and others say, uh, like, oh, I'm just so calm. You're so calm all the time. Like, you just mm-hmm. n- never see anything. I'm like, I must have the world's best poker face because <laughs> I am, you know, a volcano over here, but you have no idea. This is a show about self-discovery. About understanding ourselves. About looking into the mirror to see the good. The bad. And the unknown of who we are. This is about how we relate to God. And everyone else. From Love That Neighborhood in Louisville, Kentucky. Welcome. 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 To the Enneacast. Hey, welcome to the Enneacast. I'm Jesse Eubanks. And I'm Lindsay Lewis. Every episode, we walk you through the Enneagram, and we are in the middle of our series about conflict. And today, we are wrapping up the heart triad by talking about the best number on the Enneagram, type <clears throat> fours <clears throat> and conflict. Sorry, I'm putting my throat. Uh-huh. <clears throat> okay, so let's do a quick refresher. Let's talk about type fours when they're healthy. When they're healthy, they are individualistic in a good way. Like they're originalists. Yeah. They're doing their own thing. They're creative. They're perceptive. They are deep divers. Mm-hmm. They are not interested in the shallow end of the pool. Yeah. And they are empathetic. Yes. But when they're unhealthy, they can be temperamental. They can withdraw. They can become self-absorbed because they're in too deep. They've gone inside their own navel. And snobbish and envious. Well, you're hurting my feelings. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to leave now. Just don't be temperamental about it. Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> so conflict can come from anything. I mean, we live in a world where there's no shortage of mm-hmm. conflict everywhere that we look, whether you're online, whether you're in person, whether you're with a friend, a, mm-hmm. you know, your spouse, your kids, your coworkers, like conflict everywhere. But according to James chapter four, much of our conflict actually comes from our warring desires. And what is the deepest desire of the four? The four has a core desire to be ourselves, right. to be our authentic selves without compromise, without blemish, without mm-hmm. having to bend in order to fit in. We just want to be able to express the the truth and totality of who we are uh, without huge social consequences. Yes. I think the word you said that sticks out to me the most is that authenticity. Yeah, for sure. It's like, I just want to be my true self, mm-hmm. the purest form of myself. And then the way they try to do that is by being really unique mm-hmm. and playing up their emotions because it's it feels like if I don't express every emotion to the deepest level, 
you might not understand my true self. Mm-hmm. And at some level, if I don't express it, I'm being inauthentic. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So conflict will naturally arise if they think they are being perceived as too average mm-hmm. or too intense. Yes. So fighting words for the four would be, you're not special. You're super ordinary. And because they introject, if they think you're saying that, they will actually start saying it to themselves. Mm -hmm. I'm worthless. I'm ordinary. Nobody cares about me. And then that's going to cycle them through to where they're in conflict with themselves, but also with everyone around them, because Mm -hmm. that's the enemy. All Mm -hmm. these people who are making me feel ordinary and shame and different. Mm -hmm. Ironically, though, here's the interesting thing with the four is... Simultaneously, we want to be ourselves, Mm -hmm. but some of the, especially as we get older, I think one of the Mm -hmm. greatest gifts people can give us is going like, hey, you're really kind of just like everybody else. We're all special. Yeah. Just like you're special, like the rest of us. You're really not any extra broken. Mm -hmm. We're all broken. I had a friend in high school who used to say, I want to be different like everyone else. (laughs) And and I feel like that summarizes, you know, the, the four as we get older. Yes. So when conflict does happen, what do we do? Well, we want to remember Jesus's view of conflict that we talked about back in episode 65. Mm -hmm. And that is that healthy conflict is good, it's transformative, and it's an opportunity to love. Mm -hmm. So with this in mind, let's take a look at two things. First, how does type four tend to approach conflict? And then second, how does the four resolve conflict? So, Lindsay, first, how does this type tend to approach conflict? Right. So what we're looking at for the four is what is their social style? And this is from Rizzo and Hudson, and it's called the social style triads. And the four is part of the withdrawn triad. So the withdrawn types are four, five, and nine. These types move away from others, a.k.a. withdraw, to get their needs met. And when it comes to conflict, what that looks like is they're going to pull back and they're going to ruminate Mm -hmm. instead of just actively engaging. Mm -hmm. We might see them overreact. So some people might say fours are so, you know, reactive, but really their most common thing is to pull within and they do that push pull Mm -hmm. of like, I'm going to leave you before you leave me. Mm -hmm. I'm going to reject you before you reject me. You know, they've got all this ruminating going on about perceived slights. Yeah, fours are sort of like, uh, we sort of do a thing, you know, almost if you imagine like boiling a pot of water, like it starts off and it's very tranquil, Mm -hmm. but you don't, if you sit there and watch it, it, the temperature's rising and then eventually it's boiling and then eventually it's out of control. Mm -hmm. Like we kind of roll like that. And so, uh, so we can, we can tend to withdraw and then work ourselves up into a frenzy. And then when we reappear, everyone's like, they're boiling. What is (laughs) happening? You know, but we have slowly been dialing it up on the inside. Yes. So- Four struggle with a sense of being different. Another powerful word for the four is the word defective. Mm. As a real sense in which everyone else was like on the assembly line of life and got built with all the components that were necessary. Right. But somehow certain key pieces were left out of us. Right. So we spent all this time scrambling, looking for an identity and trying to figure things out. So under stress, uh, the four withdraws from the world and into their inner space, mm-hmm. into their imagination. And we can tend at times to go back and forth, as you said, push-pull. We tend to not assert ourselves Mm -hmm. and then suddenly overly assert ourselves, sort of in a way that's like it emotionally can get away from us. And we can have a hard time waking up from our daydreams. Mm -hmm. Uh, So under stress, fours will retreat further into their imagination to sustain their self-image. But what about when we're healthy? 
So what I would say is in strength, forests can actually access their arrows to the two and to the one. Mm -hmm. So they can withdraw, which is their own mechanism, and think and feel fully to really allow themselves to go deeply, use their imagination to think through conflict, but then use that healthy side of two to be more others referencing Mm -hmm. because they can become so self-referencing, they get lost inside of all that emotion. So if they can grab onto some of those two tools, they can actually become more about others Mm -hmm. and they can approach conflict in a way that is considerate and open-minded toward the other person. Mm -hmm. And they can also use that one energy that they go to in health to bring some more systematic, logical, um, organized arguments Mm -hmm. into a conflict. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Becoming centered around practical action. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So that is some of how a four approaches conflict, but How does this type resolve conflict? In addition to the social style triad, each type is also part of what Rizzo and Hudson call a conflict resolution style triad. Mm -hmm. And the four's conflict resolution style is emotional realness. The emotional realness triad, that's types four, six, and eight. Types with this preferred style, they want to address the underlying emotional dynamics of problems. Mm -hmm. Very, very dialed in to emotionally what is going on in this situation. Like, we're going to get to the practical stuff later, but we got to first deal with like, where are you emotionally? Yeah. What are you feeling? What am I feeling? Let's talk about that. And so fours are very dialed into the emotional dynamics of a situation. Right. When I think of those three numbers together, I think of them all as wanting all the cards on the table. Yeah. And that includes what are your deepest feelings? What are your desires? Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to be manipulated or tricked or, you know, confused about where you're coming from. So let's all put it all on the table and then we can work towards the solution. Yep. And the gift of that is that all parties quickly learn where each other stands and they can proceed to a resolution that takes everyone's desires into account. Mm -hmm. The downside, of course, though, is that we can get caught in this emotional feedback loop where we're just talking about our feelings all Mm -hmm. the time. Feelings, Mm -hmm. feelings, feelings. And there's never like, okay, but what's the plan? Right. What are we going to actually do about this instead of just sort of you know, for lack of a better term, wallowing in it. Right. So fours can get caught in. If I just express five more minutes, I just need to express myself. Mm -hmm. Well, that's never ending. At some point, you got to move on and get it done. Right. And there are going to be types who have a really hard time sitting in a conversation that is spiraling around emotions. Like I think of fives Mm -hmm. and I think of sevens, like Mm -hmm. in a conflict situation, that would feel like torture Mm -hmm. to them. Mm -hmm. And so... Emotional realness types really benefit from having teammates who can disclose those honest feelings in an appropriate manner while also steering the conversation to a resolution, to some of that practical action. Mm -hmm. So if you're going into conflict with a four, remember to be patient. Let them express their emotions fully, like ask them Mm -hmm. how you feeling, what are you thinking, and give them the runway to get it all out and to express that. And it's also going to be really helpful because the four so often is like, uh, you don't understand me, you don't Mm -hmm. get me. It's really important when you're engaging with a four in conflict, say back to them what they've said to Mm -hmm. you. You need to really say, is this a fair summary of what you've just expressed? Now, if they're not healthy, the four will actually still go no, because they're just committed. (laughs) You could never understand. They're committed to not being understood. But if they're relatively healthy, 
they'll say, yes, thank you. I feel I feel heard. I feel understood. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, don't tell them that they are being dramatic and that you wish they would just calm down, that you are pouring gasoline on a fire. Even, <laughs> even if, if you think are. it, even if they are, <laughs> don't do it. You're yes. going to make it a lot worse. It's going to make them withdraw. It's going to make them pull away from you. Right. And it's going to hurt the relationship. Right. Okay. so that is the force preferred way to resolve conflict. But let's look at the ways that they can grow in resolving conflict. So their gospel reminder is that God responds to their wounded idea that something is broken with the message. You are seen and loved for exactly who you are. Yeah. Yeah. And out of that gospel message, we then find the ability to confront our dark side, Mm -hmm. our sin And so in order to avoid falling into the deadly sin of envy, the four will want to exercise their virtue and their virtue is emotional equanimity. Right. Emotional equanimity is about I'm going to give just the right amount of emotional response in Mm -hmm. the situation, not less than what is necessary, not more than what is necessary. Mm -hmm. And so that is about mental calmness. It's about retaining your composure. It's about having an evenness of temper which is to say we avoid moodiness. And we really especially try to do that as we go into hard circumstances. We go in knowing, okay, I can be a powder keg. Mm-hmm. I need to really be mindful of that as I go in, not by withdrawing, not by overreacting, but just sort of keeping in this middle space, this, mm-hmm. this you know, equanimity. I've heard a lot of fours talk about riding the wave. Yeah, for sure. You know, that you know it's going to go up and you know it's going to go down. But you're not overly attached to the up or the down because, you know, it will come, it will go, it will fade in, it will fade out. You just be the wave. Yep. (laughs) You are the wave. Yep. I've also heard go to sleep. (laughs) Just go take a nap (laughs) for a while. Is that a personal thing? Oh, that's a personal thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we're recommending a breath prayer for each type. What is the breath prayer for the four? The breath prayer for the four is to breathe in the idea that you're made in God's image. So you breathe in and say that to yourself, made in God's image. And then as you breathe out, you can say, nothing is missing. No, nothing is missing in how God made you. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this is our teaching for type four about how fours engage conflict and about some things that if you're engaging conflict with a four that you want to keep in mind. But I think that we need to explore this a little more in depth with someone. And so our guest today is Eric Nevins. Eric holds a Master of Divinity from Denver Seminary and is passionate about providing tools for spiritual formation in the real world. He mainly does this through his podcast, Halfway There, which features honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. He lives in Denver with his wife, four kids, and one dog. He's into guitars, the St. Louis Cardinals, barbecue, cheesy jokes, and he is a four on the Enneagram. Welcome to the show, Eric. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, we are so excited to uh, to talk with you. Uh, did you hear a little bit of yourself in, in what we were just talking about a moment ago? I feel so seen right now. <laughs> <laughs> good, good, good. That, that's our goal. Uh, so tell us this. When did you first encounter the Enneagram and what insights did you gain from it? Probably like a lot of people, I first found the Enneagram through a bunch of friends, right? Mm-hmm. So I have this, a distinct memory of sitting around one of our friends had discovered it and we're sitting around our living room and he's telling us all about it, right? So He's like, oh, I found this. And he's telling us what he was. I forget what he was. He's a good friend. I should probably know that. Um, <laughs> anyway, so we talking about it and then trying to figure out what we are looking up an online test, right? Doing the, doing the whole thing. 
What was interesting for me was to discover certainly some things like, you know, the first time you get get a book or something and, and figure out like, oh, that's actually really true about me, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that, that resonates. Um, and then also to obviously some of my close relationships, like my wife to understand what she is going through in, in her. She's a six. So to understand some of that really, really helped. So you're a four and your wife is a six. Yes. My friend, we are twins. Yep. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. Well, good. Yeah. yeah. So it is all emotional realness up in my house. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Right. And yeah. it can be kind of exhausting. Uh, just you, to be exhausting is the number one word my wife and I use for that <laughs> dynamic. Like yes. we are. We are exhausting. Like literally both of us sometimes will say, can we just not? Can we just not tonight? We uh, implemented a an 8.30 p.m. rule. One of our friends gave us this. Like, we don't uh-huh. talk about anything real after 8.30. Like, we just, yeah, we got That's amazing. Done. Yeah. So I'm married to a withdrawing type, and this is just like, you guys are like animals in the zoo. I'm like, what? Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> I know. I've got friends that'll talk about like, yeah, my wife and I are in a fight, and we're just not talking. And I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, yeah, so my wife and I, it's all on the table. Well, when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Eric Nevins, so stay with us. Hey, LTN listeners, it's Anna, the media editor. Recently, we asked some of our alumni how serving with Love Thy Neighborhood has impacted them. My name is Annalise Collins from Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Annalise's time with Love Thy Neighborhood taught her about how to endure through hard circumstances, like when she served with us summer 2020 in the midst of the pandemic. Love Thy Neighborhood taught me how to persevere through all of the hardship and all of the pain that it brought. Love Thy Neighborhood was just pushing us towards truth and towards Christ. Those are the only two things that are consistent, especially in 2020. If you want a hands-on experience of missions in our modern times, come serve with Love Thy Neighborhood. We offer internships for young adults ages 18 to 30, Through the areas of service, community, and discipleship, you'll grow in your faith and your life skills. Learn more at lovethyneighborhood.org. Welcome back to the Enneacast. I'm Jesse Eubanks. And I'm Lindsay Lewis. So we've been talking with Eric Nevins about the Enneagram and about conflict. And Eric, what I want to ask you about is, you know, we are doing this series about conflict. How do you personally feel when conflict arises? Do you tend to fight? Do you tend to avoid? Do you tend to comply? Uh, Yes. So (laughs) I I feel like I do all those things and it just depends on how fired up I am, right? Yeah. So... Um, I loved what you said about uh, like it's a slow burn sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, uh, or slow boil. So there are definitely times I think I would withdraw most. Um, but if it's if I get pushed to a certain point, it's overboard. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's all all gone. So mm-hmm. that can definitely be be an issue for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I heard uh, this guy, Jim Cofield, say once every emotion should be recognized, but not every emotion should be expressed. Mm. Right. And I was like, oh, busted. Whoops. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. You know, let's say like something goes down with like a coworker and there's like tension in the room. Do you tend to be more like, let's deal with it now? Mm-hmm. Or do you tend to be like, I need a time to gather myself? Oh, totally the latter. So I yeah. will wait. I'll hold on to it. I won't express something and I'll think about it, which 
often is good. It gives me enough time to go, what what are they really thinking? Mm-hmm. What I really care about mm-hmm. and what needs to be actually expressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Can you tell us a story about a conflict that you had where you saw yourself acting out of the unhealthy side of your type? Yeah, so I did a number of years on on boards, and so there were a lot of conflicts on boards. I don't mm-hmm. know if you have ever done that. Yep. Um, so one time when it was, I think, unhealthy was uh, every year during the budget. You know, there's always these these conflicts about what are we gonna what are we gonna fund, and particularly um, you know giving raises and things like that. And so that was one of those times where I would often just withdraw and not, even though I was upset about. The fact that certain people were getting something that I didn't think they deserved or something that maybe other people deserved. Uh, and then I would kind of burst onto the into the discussion at the end and expect everybody to listen to me <laughs> and care what I have said, even though I hadn't contributed meaningfully to the conversation. And so like that always confused me. Like, why won't they listen to me? Right. Well, mm-hmm. but I, I realized now, like, oh, I should have spoke up a little bit sooner, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the four tendency to be like, well, I'm going to kind of keep to myself. I'm going to kind of roommate. Mm-hmm. I'm going to like let let the world kind of roll on. <laughs> then all of a right. sudden I'm going to show up and be like, I'm here, you know. Right. And it can be disorienting for everybody else because they're like, you seemed fine, mm-hmm. you know, and suddenly I'm realizing you are not fine, but it's kind of too late. Yes. And I've had people in those situations and others say, uh, like, oh, I'm just so calm. You're so calm all the time. Like you mm-hmm. just I never see anything. I'm like, I must have the world's best poker face because <laughs> I am, you know, a volcano over here, but you have no idea. And so that's uh, definitely one that came out a lot in particularly board work where I'm just trying to listen, take in the information and decide what I think. Um, but I'm also a verbal processor, which is why I have a podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's hard for me to know what I think unless I say it out loud. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. then I say it out loud and I go, oh, maybe that's not true. Yep. Yep. So that's the unhealthy side. You know, you, you described sort of this process of being silent, withdrawing, keeping to yourself, and then suddenly overexpressing. What about a time where you had a conflict where you saw yourself acting out of the healthy side of your type? What was different between those two times? Yeah. Can I tell you another board story? Yeah, yeah. sure. Where I think this happened. So different board. It was. It's a long story, but the the short version is we were trying to decide whether or not we should do something that our bylaws didn't actually let us give us the power to do. Uh, there were some good reasons. One of the board members made a case that we should actually do this and vote on it, and we went around and I chimed in a couple times, but then at the end it came time to vote, and uh, we went around the room. And to that point, the entire all year the board had been unanimous for everything. Right, which is unusual. Yeah, but uh, we all, we all kind of saw things the same way. We went around, and I was the last to vote, and I was the only negative vote <laughs> against mm-hmm. the doing what we're doing, and that turned out to be um, an interesting thing. I, I left that room feeling like, how am I going to support this decision when I didn't really want to do it? And I was really kind of in, in that chaos that we talked about. Mm-hmm. Well, by ten o'clock that night, or like within a couple of hours. We had a message from the president of that board who said, you know what, I think we did do the wrong thing and we need to fix it. And by Friday, so we have, we usually met on Wednesday, by, so within a couple of days, we met again, changed our decision and, and fixed it because uh, I had been able to express it and, and then act in a way that wasn't, uh, you know, just complying, right? That was actually standing up for the truth and what I thought was most important, staying in our lane. 
Man, that's a good one. And and here's part of it too is like if you had acted sort of like emotionally wild, mm-hmm. you would have burned all of the the trust right. in the room and and your vote would not have been taken seriously. Mm-hmm. And so it's a combination of like I'm going to have conviction, but I'm also going to keep my composure in mm-hmm. such a way that's going to retain the trust. So yes. it's like I'm going to trust my heart on this and I'm also going to keep my composure. Yeah, yep. that's good. And I know a lot of people listening are probably like bored stuff, but that can have huge <laughs> implications for a lot of lives. Decisions mm-hmm. on that kind of stuff, you know. Yeah, I know it sounds boring to some people, but man, <laughs> it's like it can have real ramifications. Right. And it's, so it's not maybe as relational as like you, what you guys usually get into, but I think it does matter um, because the reality is our leaders are always dealing with this stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. And so if you if you understand it, then it's really valuable to you know, be able to see your people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How do you feel like knowing the Enneagram has helped you in the way you view and engage in conflict? Yeah. So it just gives you perspective, right? It helps mm-hmm. me to understand what the other person is thinking about and then also to understand myself. And so like there's conflicts that we have you know, going on even now where I've had to step back and go, okay, am I just being emotional? Am I just being, you know, too upset about something and I need to let that calm down and then to ask myself that question again, like, what is it that I actually want here? Is it that I, I want to burn down this institution? No, it's that I want to be seen as well. And I want to be understood for what, what we want. And I want, you know, my family or whoever it is to, to actually get the recognition that they deserve. And, um, knowing that then allows me to also imagine, I love what you guys said about the imagination, like being able to withdraw and imagine what the other person's going through. Mm-hmm. What a skill that is, right? Like that's, I'd never thought of that before, but not everybody can do that. And so that's being able to imagine what it's like for someone else in their type is really valuable. Yeah, it, it really is valuable. I mean, if you mm-hmm. think about, I mean, who does not have empathy? I mean, it's like mm-hmm. serial killers and cats, Sociopaths. <laughs> you know, like, like you have to be able to you have to be able to imagine what the other folks are going through mm-hmm. and the Enneagram allows that, you know? So when, yeah. you know, like if Lindsay and I get into conflict, mm-hmm. like you and I are not going to approach conflict in the same way and it allows yeah. me to read you in a way that hopefully is going to lead to resolution. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one thing I love about fours is how even if they do get to a boil, like say they they do overreact or they're just extremely emotional or they get into a heated argument with somebody all the healthy fours I know are so willing to go to that person later. You know, they have to withdraw. Both mm. both sides go to their corners. And all of the fours I know are so willing to go back to the other person and own their stuff and to see it from the other person's perspective and to really be considerate of the other person's feelings about how they exploded or how they maybe were unfair with their emotions. And I just respect that so much about force that even though they have those big emotions and none of us is healthy 100% of the time, but they are so willing to use that imagination to then repair, Yeah, which I really like. So in the midst of conflict, what's one thing that you wish everybody could know about you or just about type fours? Yeah. Well, I, I wish that people did know that it was a deep well, mm-hmm. right? And that uh, there's probably a lot more going on than is even being expressed and just being willing to to hear it. I get that it can be like a lot, but if I can get that out, then I can look at it 
in a new way, right? Like I said earlier, I, if I can say it, then I'll know what I think and I can evaluate it from there. And I'm willing to do that, but I need it to be said. So if, if I could ask for anything for your type four friends, just hear them out first. Mm-hmm. You don't have to agree with everything. Just hear it out first. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, really good. So the virtue for type four is equanimity. How do you feel like equanimity helps your type approach conflict in a healthier way? I love this concept. And to be honest, I'd never heard of it. I'd never heard, you know, emotional equanimity. That's fantastic. And so you guys described it as like just the right amount of emotion. Mm -hmm. I'm going to use that going forward because you're right. There's certain situations that um, don't call for a big explosion, right? Or don't call for, you know, a wide expression of joy or whatever it is. And um, I think knowing that can help me ask myself the question, which I'm big into this right now ask myself a question and then let myself answer it, um, which is sort of like a self-coaching kind of technique that I've learned. So I can ask myself the question, what does this call for? Uh, that's a huge, taking that to just little half second or two seconds to self-reflect right there can change an entire dynamic and change the way that you relate to other people. Yeah, yeah. I've heard about uh, some recent studies about, you know, we live in this era, you know, and it can even happen within Christendom where people are like, all that matter are your thoughts. Mm. Just think right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there's been these studies that have come out that essentially when you remove the emotional component, when you really, when a person truly attempts mm-hmm. to not feel that they become incapable of making decisions, they become mm-hmm. racked with anxiety. And I feel like fours stay tapped into that. Like mm-hmm. fours, fours are sort of, they bring that into conflict, which is like, we need to stay emotionally involved in this and not just switch it all off. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, and equanimity allows there to be a cap to that. It's like yeah. emotions need to be relevant mm-hmm. and emotions need to stay in their lane. Yeah, that's really good. All right. Well, speaking of conflict, let's have some. So <laughs> when we come oh. back, we will be playing Pick Your Poison with Eric Nevins. Stay with us. Here at LTN, we're all about helping people build better relationships. And we've actually created a brand new way to do that with our Say More conversation cards. Say More is a deck of 100 questions to kickstart engaging discussions. So there's silly things like, which famous cartoon character are you most like? And there's also serious things like, what has been your hardest goodbye in life? You can use our Say More cards with your family, your friends, on a date, at the office. My family and I have been using them at the dinner table, and I've learned things about my kids that I truly never knew before. To grab your own deck of Say More cards, go to lovethyneighborhood.org and click the store link at the top of the menu. And while you're there, grab a couple more decks. They make great gifts for Christmas or birthdays, and all proceeds go directly to support Love Thy Neighborhood. So... Go to lovethatneighborhood.org and click store and get ready to say more because better relationships are just a question away. It's the Anycast, Jesse Eubanks, Lindsay Lewis. And now it's time for Pick Your Poison. Our game today is called Pick Your Poison. Here's how it works. Eric, each round, I'm going to give you two options. Both options are going to be difficult or just horrible. <laughs> you will have to decide which option you would go for in real life. Sort of like, would you rather? But 
Before you give us an answer, Lindsay and I are each going to guess which option we think you're going to choose. Uh, We are allowed to choose the same answer. If one of us matches your answer, that person gets a point, and we're going to play three rounds. Are you both ready? Let's go. Yes. Okay, here we go. Round one, would you rather only be able to take ice-cold showers or skip everywhere you go? Only be able to take ice-cold showers or skip everywhere he goes? Lindsay, what do you think Eric will choose? So my first thought was ice cold showers mm-hmm. because lots of people take cold showers and mm-hmm. guys don't take very long in the shower. But then I just felt sad for him. So then I'm going to choose skip everywhere. OK, first off, uh, you don't know all men. You can't say guys <laughs> take short showers. I take the longest showers on earth. No comment. Yeah. So my wife yells at me all the time. <laughs> OK, I'm going to I'm going to say ice cold showers because at least that can be short pain. I wait, just wait, can't wait. fathom. So is that what I just said? That you could take a short shower? You could. I would hate that, but you could. <laughs> and I'm just saying the idea of like having <laughs> to skip needed to everywhere. Be original. Everywhere. Yeah. I, I can't help it, Lindsay. I just can't, I just can't help it. <laughs> okay, Eric, which one do you choose? Which poison do you choose? I'm gonna have to go with skipping everywhere. Yes! I can't give up. I can't give up the shower. Yeah, that's not okay with me. Because he's like you, and he needs his long, warm shower. Yeah, yeah. I need that comfort. You know. Mm. Well, crud. Okay, okay. <laughs> I mean, you can make it up in the next one. Okay, we're gonna see what happens. Okay, round two. Go on stage in five minutes as the lead act for a stand-up comedy show with fifty thousand people in the audience. <laughs> Or spend every weekend <laughs> chaperoning high school proms. Ooh. Definitely the comedy show. Those both sound horrible. He said he likes cheesy jokes. But he also said he can't think of anything That's off the top true. of his head. But at least it's only one time. You have to have that humiliation one time with yeah. the show. Or every weekend saying, make room for the Holy Spirit. yeah i'm going comedy show you're gonna go comedy show i am also gonna go comedy show because nobody wants to do the other well we're gonna find out okay so pick your poison totally comedy show comedy show yes okay so now we need a joke yeah oh yeah can you can you deliver a joke uh, no. no. I told, I told <laughs> you that. No. no. Still no. It's going to be a very short performance <laughs> yep, for these yep. 50,000 people. I do feel like I could find something, though. Like, if I had to. Mm-hmm. You just start telling your life story mm-hmm. and exaggerating yes. all the bad things, and that will be funny. Mm-hmm. Right. Have you guys watched Mrs. Maisel? Yes. Right. If she can do it, I can do it. She's pretty amazing. She's excellent. Yeah. Okay. Round three. Pick your poison. Lose your ability to make new long-term memories. Oh, or wake up every morning unable to remember who you are. Oh, gosh. Okay. So I guess I guess he would make new memories with the exception of he doesn't know who he is. So he would remember, like... Everything else. Somebody went to the Disney, but who am I? What's my name? Yeah. Like that? Yeah. I'm going to go... Oh, that's... Those are, those are worse than the prom one. I'm going to go with... I guess, new long-term memories? Mm-hmm. Because what's the point of having memories if you don't know who you are? Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Well, the fourth great fear is that they don't know who they are, oh, and no, no one else understands anyway. You're already living and this reality, are, and and they prefer to live in the past. So they're oh, like, no new memories. Sounds that's fine. fine. I have plenty to ruminate on. <laughs> yeah, I got plenty in the past. Um, so I'm gonna go. What did you say? I'll go. I'll go. I said long term memories. Okay, to keep things interesting and to to see what happens. I, I will go the opposite. So I'm going to say, wake up every morning unable to remember who you are. Eric, pick your poison. Yeah, I think it's got to be long-term memories. Yes. That's three, <laughs> two, one, my friend. Congratulations. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, we are not four twinsies after all. Apparently not. <laughs> well, congratulations to Lindsay Lewis. Okay, it's time for five final questions. Number one, who are two people you currently admire? No Bible characters allowed. Yes, I love that. Um, I just got to take a selfie with Pat Flynn in uh, the social media marketing world last week. Mm. And that was really fun. So I'd say Pat Flynn. And also there, uh, there's a guy named Phil Mershon who kind of runs that event. And I saw the way that he served people. He's kind of in the in the background. He's not the guy. Well, he plays music, but uh, generally... He's not the guy, you know, leading everything. And he did a great job. And I just admire uh, that level of service. It was really great. Mm, That's that's good. That's good. Uh, Number two, how do you like to waste time? Uh, I'm a social media junkie. So I I love TikTok. I miss the days when it was uh, more fun than political, but it's, it's good. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Number three, what is on your nightstand right now? I have like a dozen books on my nightstand that I have not read. Nice. Yeah. Do you have one that you're currently reading? No, because the book I'm reading is actually not there. So I do have the biography of Eugene Peterson that I would like to read. And another biography, one of my projects is to read a biography of all the U.S. presidents. I got up to Andrew Jackson. And then those were audiobooks. And then Martin Van Buren, there's no audiobooks about Martin Van Buren because nobody cares, right? So... (laughs) So it's on there, but mm-hmm. eventually someday I'll read it. Great. Uh, that's two presidential references in a row. Last episode, we had Sharon McMahon <laughs> on, oh, and yeah. she was also talking about U.S. history and presidents. Mm-hmm. And so shout out to go. all you U.S. presidents. All the uh, governors. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, number four, what is an important lesson that you have learned from failing? Yeah, so for me, uh, this has been uh, learning to iterate, and that it's okay. You don't have to be perfect the first time. You can fail and then you can do something different or better the next time. So the first time I tried to do a little, uh, call it Christian Podcast Summit online, I sold 11 tickets, right? Second time was a little more uh, and certainly much better better quality um, and committing myself to just growing and allowing it to be a little bit better than the last time um, is so much more freeing than just uh, living in the, whatever my, uh, my angst, wallowing in that angst, that mm. four angst that I have. Mm-hmm. That's good. Okay. Number five, what would you like to hear God say to you when you die? Yeah. So, I mean, the, I feel like there's a canned answer for this as a, as a Christian, right? Obviously there's the, there's good, good job, good and faithful servant, but I would really like him to say, you made the most of what I gave you, mm. you know, like you had some tough situations and you found it. Like you became the person I wanted you to become. Mm, I like that. 
That's great. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It's really been good talking with you. Thanks for having me. It's been a lot of fun. If you benefited at all from this podcast, please help us out by leaving a review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Your review will help other people discover our show. Special thanks to our guest today, Eric Nevins. You can check out Eric's spiritual formation resources, including his podcast, free eBooks, and an eight-day guided study by going to his website at ericnevins.com. Also, special thanks to Crosspoint Ministry who helped train us in the Enneagram. You can check them out at crosspointministry.com. This show is brought to you by Love Thy Neighborhood. We provide internships focused on service, community, and discipleship for young adults ages 18 to 30. Serve for a summer or a year, and you'll grow in your faith and life skills. Learn more at lovethyneighborhood.org. This episode was written by Lindsay Lewis and myself. Rachel Zabo is our media director and producer. Anna Tran is our audio engineer. Music for today's episode comes from Murphy DX. I'm Lindsay Lewis. And I'm Jesse Eubanks. Remember, the eye can see everything but itself. Find people to journey with you because you were created for community. Community.